Listen, listen, listen. This is the Black Country Blokes Tune of Fact about everything that is mental health. Now, we're not experts, but we are experienced, so we're encouraging you to share your experience because every experience is worth sharing. So please be part of the conversation. Listen, listen, listen. And I've been here. And we're here, now me, lad, Ka- uh, Lee Kavanaugh, I say I always get his blooming name wrong, I've only known him 25 years. And we're here with our very special guest, Kerry Davis. And Kerry's going to tell us all about the amazing work she's done, in despite of having her own struggles and disability. But as we were saying off, off air, uh, everyone knows by now I've got my eye problems and Lisa Kerr. Your life doesn't end just when you get diagnosed with a disability. There's so many things that we can do and achieve, and I think we've all just witnessed that with the Paralympics. And we're also joined by her carer, Vicky... Hadley. Hagley. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering names is not my strong point, but thank you girls for coming on. So, Kerry, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself to start off with, please? Yes, hello, my name is Kerry Davis, BEM, awarded just yesterday. Um, and I am the founder of More Mascots, please, CIC. I have cerebral palsy, spina bifida tethered cord and scoliosis. I'm permanently in a wheelchair, but I've never let that stop me. And the only way I cope with my disability is to uh, work as a social entrepreneur and get involved in social action. So I started my own CIC in 2013 in memory of two very special people that inspired me so much. My uncle, Kevin Round, who tragically died in a motorbike accident, and my young friend, Liam Fairhurst. So more Mascots Please CIC has helped a 1,000 disabled, disadvantaged and life-limited children we do this through mascots and play work. This is what we do practically 365 days a year. This time of year is really important for us because it's our Christmas fundraising. We're having a curry night in Deluxe where if we could raise about £2,000, we would be able to pay for all of our Christmas activities. Our compare for the night is John Reed? We had him on last week and he was talking about it. Yeah, and he, him and his grandson will be doing the comedy and hosting for us and it would be really great if with the help of Indilux we could cover our Christmas fundraising bill. That amount of money would make such a difference to my small organisation with a floating butterfly but stinging action like a bee that's made so much difference to children in the black country. And where did you come up with the idea of doing mascots? It was because my auntie Meg, Megan Round, and my uncle Kev, who passed away, nominated me for Build-A-Bear Huggable Hero when I was 17 because I'd started volunteering. I first of all started when I was 13 as a Dudley Youth Counsellor. Then I went for a regional role as a patient governor at Birmingham Children's. And then I went from a national role with the Princess Diana Ward. And then from then, 
I became a sessional worker with the National Children's Bureau and I've worked, volunteered and campaigned nationally and internationally. I've spoke globally for O2 Think Big, which is O2, the phone company's social responsibility programme that helps young people set up their own community projects. And then I brought it back to Dudley with the help of Dudley Council for Voluntary Services when we set up the CIC. I've spoke in Pittsburgh about disability, inequality and health. Now, as I enter my 30s, I'm now campaigning for adult social care reform, which is important because... Adults live such a long time in the system. But I'm also passionate about children's reform too. I'm campaigning for those that are on direct payments and personal health budgets to be listened to and for our lived experience to be put first. Me and Lee talk often about that. Um, Obviously me having a disability and Lee's daughter having a disability. And there's not enough people who are either a carer or a disabled person itself making the decisions. There's not enough people um, on the board making decisions. And it's okay for people to go, well, I have what you need. Well, hang on, let us talk for ourselves. We might have a disability, but we have got a mind and we have got a voice. Let us use it. Yeah, that's why I'm involved in campaigning and self-directed support and personalisation, which is what you've described. And it is tough, and like, some stuff, it, it hasn't got to cost thousands, has it? Just have mindfulness of, like we were in the studio now, and they had to make sure the doors were big enough to fit a wheelchair in. Me as a visually impaired man, it makes my life easier when there's a bit of paint on the steps to show me that I'm not going to fall down the steps. And these aren't... Uh, genius ideas but they make our lives so much easier don't they we need to improve training for young graduates who are just qualifying to be social workers OTs nurses anyone on the front line because you need service user involvement but as service users we're all campaigning and as disability activists we're informed informing ourselves with extra knowledge so that we can work with professionals in harmony. I mean, and you obviously are such a positive person and we're going to come on to your award very soon because I can't wait to hear it all about it. But everything you've been through, it's not easy, is it? And it's so easy when people look at us and go, oh, well, it's looking for you, you're positive. It is blooming hard, isn't it? And it is hard and we, we've got that, that personality that we will by any means necessary, but we have our off days, don't we? Everyone always does, but it's about taking a deep breath and planning what you can do to change your life positively and adaptions and working together with professionals and being seen as a disabled person that has a voice and has that equal decision-making. Funny enough, me and Lee, one of my best mates, partner in crime, we went and set up our CIC at a bank, we won't name it. Lovely bank, the bloke was lovely, wasn't he, Lee? Yes. But as soon as it mentioned that I was fresh being blind, he looked over me 
and started talking to me. And I've had that experience so many times for my life. And I'm thinking, I can't see very well, but I'm still, you know, we're in a boxing club. I'm a rather clever bloke. You know, well, I wouldn't go clever, <laughs> but I could talk. And isn't it funny, when they clock you dis disabled, they almost don't see you as an equal sometimes. Oh, yes, I have that all the time. But my personal assistants like Vicky quickly tell people not to talk to them and that I'm, I'm the boss here, which is what every service user is on direct payments. And that's right, isn't it? And, but we need more people like yourself to say, I never give up, because how many able-bodied people I, I've met, especially in the boxing world, and they just can't be bothered. And I'm thinking if I had half of your talents and your capabilities, I would have taken over the world. But that I can't be bothered is just unforgivable in my perspective. Well, there's no room for I can't be bothered because that's never going to get you anywhere. You either commit to something or you don't. And I think that that is the winner's attitude. Either I do or I don't. But if I don't, I never will. So I've got to give everything my own. I might have been dealt a bad set of hands, but I'm going to play it to the best of my ability. And by the sense of it, that's what you've done. It is, yeah. I don't do it on my own, though. I'm very lucky to have supportive parents, a great sister, really close best friends, a great care team. And I always make it clear that more mascots, please. I'm, I'm the head figure, but I haven't physically got the got the legs to do it so I'm very lucky to employ 14 young people who have 100% faith in and I spend a hell of a lot of my time as a qualified youth worker at master's level developing their abilities. How did you find like going to university because it can be very daunting can't it? At first it's daunting but if you get the right PA and bump into a few lecturers who are supportive who believe about the social model of disability and beyond then um, it didn't daunt me at all I, I felt a lot more supported than compared to when I was at college because similar to direct payments disabled students have disabled students allowance which enables them to employ the PA that they want I mean, me, I mean, I went to a mainstream school, had to have support teachers. And I had some terrible experiences. Some some people I wouldn't have let train my cat, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think you're very lucky, like with everything. If you're lucky, you have a good GP. You're lucky if you have a good counsellor. And I was unlucky. But in a way, I'm so lucky because I've had great, brilliant teachers. My dad, Big John, in the boxing world. Mr McKenzie, a brilliant teacher at school. And I've had some awful teachers. But I learned just as much off the bad teachers as I did off the good teachers. I learned how to treat people and how not to treat people. And both lessons were valid. Have you found that? Absolutely. I've had really negative people who have tried to silence me, but I carry on talking and chatting anyway. <laughs> and, and, so, say your, your organisation, because Lee's daughter's disabled little colour, so what would happen, could you walk us through, what exists mainly for disabled and disadvantaged children, is it? It is, yeah. So I deliver a lot of, a lot of family support. So we are actually looking for people to join our Facebook group and join us in our activities. What's the name of that? Uh, it's More Mascots Please CIC and it's um, 
it's a closed group. It's Kerry Davis that you'd have to add on Facebook. You'll find out, won't you, Lee? And we can share it on our Facebook. And as then, long as you're happy for me to do that, not a problem at all. Yeah, and then I, I add to a private group and then the support they get is, is ongoing. So we do a few main things. We aim towards funding summer trips. So until COVID happened, we were raising for um, Twilight Cross Zoo. The year before that, I raised for um, West Midland Safari Park, which took over 70 people to that. And then the other things that we try and do every year, and why I mention the Indie Lux event, is we do a large Christmas party, and I'm looking for children to be nominated for that. And we do um, Santa teas as well, because um, it's very important to me personally. Um, it's not so much about seeing Santa, but I like doing that one, um, because... I can guarantee then that the children and families get a meal because I pay for their food. So I always guarantee that. And we always, within the party, the big party I do separately, we pay for, every year we pay for a children's entertainer and we pay for the animal person. And it's a free buffet, free face painting, free seeing mascots, um balloon modelling, basically games, anything fun with children, then uh, our Christmas party is where you need to be at. This is, includes siblings as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So I think that's, a, I mean, a, you know, as we've said before, with my daughter being disabled, a lot of time I've had a lot of guilt because I've gone away from my other two children to look, to focus my attention on, on my youngest. And I think it's very important that these days and things like this that you're doing, just to get out as a family and have a bit of normality in, in kind of the madness of bringing a disabled child up. And it's very in inspirational, to be honest. I've been quiet during this one. Um, Kev's been doing the talking. I've just been listening because it's so inspirational. Listen to your story and, and seeing how you've grown and how you've come up and, and then how you're now spreading that love out. You know, it's it's all about everyone else, isn't it, really, for you? You can tell that by speaking to you. Well, it is, yeah. And my, my sister, Rihanna, who is able-bodied, went through so much when we were younger. She would have to stay with family where, when my mum would have to take me into hospital for treatment. Um, so that is why we include siblings as well. But we we are in need of funds. We need funds, and we need partners, and we we want more parents and more children to join us. Well, if it's all right with you, uh, we we'll share that on our social media. Uh, we're we're on everything now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're on literally everything. So we'll share that across there. And if there's anyone out there listening in in corporate world who'd like to donate uh, to help raise that £2,000 or any money that they can that would be absolutely fantastic So, and no doubt they can find you on Facebook if they'd like LinkedIn Yes, uh, more mascots please CIC or Kerry Davis BEM And BEM, tell us about this because this was uh, only yesterday wasn't it? Yes it was it was absolutely brilliant as I've said before I've been in the youth sector since I was 13 and 
I've spoke globally, I've travelled internationally to America and Johannesburg and I've never ever been so nervous as what I was yesterday. It's nice nerve, so it's that, uh, I bet it's like, really, me, even though you've done all the blooming hard work and you've, but isn't it blooming lovely when someone actually, we don't do for gratitude, you know, for, oh, hasn't she done lovely, but isn't it lovely when they actually say, well done. It is, yeah, because I've put so much effort for so many years into more mascots, please, CIC, and it's just such a pleasure to be recognised by someone like the Queen, who, if you look into her history, she's, you know, she's a lady that's been out there. She um, drove in the war and things like that. Um, she's not, you know, her family don't always agree and respect her she's she's a tough lady so have someone like the queen uh recognize what you're doing and then to meet all of her civil servants is just amazing and where was it it was at the um very prestigious and red brick university of birmingham so um university of birmingham is a red brick because it has um the highest academic standards in the West Midlands. Was it very posh? They wouldn't have let me leave, would they? <laughs> it, was, it was very posh, yeah. It was all right, though, because I wore a purple fascinator. <laughs> it's amazing. And this is what I, I really enjoy, having people on this radio show and on our podcast, because a lot of these stories, a lot of these people are remarkable, and you don't like being called remarkable, but you are. And these things that happen... And people don't get to hear about them. And where we live in the black country, there is so many amazing people out there. And what, we, what we're what we going to do soon is set up our own uh, brochure on the internet and handout where people can find out where there's help, where people can find mascots for disabled people, where people can find helplines. Because there's so much good out there, but we don't advertise it. We're not, we're not on the... Um, the the, the channel, uh, the adverts on the TV, and and it's, instead of selling negativity, let's sell a bit of love and sell a bit of positive, because a bit of positive goes a long way, doesn't it? Well, exactly. The press need to stop highlighting people who have done negative things uh, and not portraying young people in a positive light. When I can vouch for that, I mean, I've got a club, we've got over a thousand members, the Lions ABC down the road, and kids, I mean, kids are lovely. I mean, there's vile ones, there's vile ones in everything, but overall, they're a caring. They're, and because they've been brought up with more knowledge about mental health and homophobiaism and racism and being prejudiced, I think they will, in turn, have better kids. And if we teach our kids better, they will teach their kids better. And that's the only way we're going to eradicate prejudice and nastiness is by teaching our youth to do better. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that is why I um, why I will always be a practicing youth worker, and that is what I try and install in my young people. But um, Andrew Mullaney's book is so good for that. Um, the section that he does on um, how to prepare yourself for an interview. Well, funny enough, Andrew Mullaney, we met him the other day, didn't we, Lee? Yeah, we met him on Monday and he, he gave me a copy of the book, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I understand you've got a section in there yourself, haven't you? I have, yeah. Um, 
I'm Kaisuri number two, so it's me and more mascots. But what a lovely bloke. I mean, first time I met him, but you know, certain people, he couldn't sing your praises enough, could he, Lee? No, he couldn't, no. But you know, certain people in life, you just, you gel with straight away. And you could see he is a very kind man who's trying his best to do good. He's a natural giver and he's such, such a kind person. It really is. Can I just uh, rewind it a bit to to when you receive your award? Because Vicky Vicky's in here with us now, who is is one of your carers, and and she was explaining a bit off air how it made her feel. Can you go into that a bit for us, Vicky? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I just felt so super privileged to be there yesterday. Like, so lucky. Um, I feel privileged to work with Kerry. I don't see it as a job. When people ask me about what I do, and I say. I'm a carer slash personal assistant, but um, I don't see it as a job. Kerry's, Kerry lives with her parents and um, a lot of time spent in the home and they welcome me as part of the family. And it is a job, but like you become mm. part of a unit and part of a team. Um, and she could only invite three people um, and her mum and dad was obviously there and I was the third person. So just the fact that I was going felt quite overwhelming because it's just a once in a lifetime thing. And I, I've been with Kerry for two years now and I've obviously, in that time, um, seen a very a, a small part of her life of what she does and what she, how much she dedicates to other people and how tirelessly she works, so, so tirelessly she works, that unless you're uh, involved in with her and her family, because her, her parents as well, I must say, how involved her parents are with the charity, how much of their just free time that they give up is just like it's just unreal to me. Um, for, you know, they're just volunteering their time, and yeah. So yesterday I just felt like such a celebration. What you were saying about um, kind of acknowledging and giving gratitude, and Kerry really and her parents really deserve it more than anybody I've ever met in all of my career. They really deserve that recognition yesterday because she doesn't get paid. She would love to work. She would love to have a job where she gets paid. And, you know, I'm really lucky. And, and lots of people in life are really lucky that we can go out and get jobs and work and earn money. And you take that almost as a given. And Kerry can't do that because actually the way society is set up doesn't allow for her to do it. It's not because she can't mentally do it. She's got super brains super ideas super enthusiasm she could absolutely she could no, she could she could really do what she wants and she knows that and the frustration you can't imagine can you the frustration of knowing that you've got the capacity to do something but society doesn't allow you to do it because there's so many challenges and barriers in just day-to-day -day life that you would never understand unless you were really with somebody like as a carer really closely or parents or family where you're really involved and see the intricacies of somebody's life like Kerry's to understand the battle to get up in the morning to be quite honest this it's just unreal so then yesterday sorry going back to your question I, it just was it was so joyful I can't explain to you the joy and I held on to Denise's arm Kerry got called out first which was lovely we were the first row which I just thought was amazing like she's the first row she got called out first and her mum just totally welled up and I had to just hold on to her mum's arm yeah. and just say oh my god like 
absolutely this is a moment in time you're never going to forget it it's amazing you all deserve this carry more than anybody and after i think after especially after covid in the last two years to feel such joy not just for mm. Kerry actually for all those recipients in the room who have clearly done so much wonderful work for, for communities and affected people's lives in such positive ways it was such a lovely 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 event I can't even we needed a bit of joy honestly so much yeah we did and I think like what you were saying like, because we originally started our Black Country Blokes and it was men's mental health and they bridged off to like we were getting men to talk because there's such a suicide rate in men and blokes don't talk. Then we bridge over to mental health. And then we were talking, because every episode we talk about disability as well. And me and Lisa said, well, why don't we become advocates for that as well? Because, as you were saying, unless you have a disability, you're a carer for someone with disability, your family, you, don't, you can empathise all you want, but unless you live it, yeah. it's different. So we thought we'd be the voice for it. And uh, we were saying off air, I mean, what some people take for granted, you know, is we, we'd cut our legs off to get it, you know what I mean? It's, so we want to be that voice and have these, these local heroes like yourselves, yourselves, you for having the brains and the courage for doing it, um, Kerry, but then having the backup of you, Vicky, because the care circuit, like Lee with his daughter, the carers often get looked over. I bet the carers... You know, it's like when we had Blind Dave on. God bless Dave, what a character, wasn't he? Yeah. But he did the seven marathons, but his old pal run it with him. And we often forget about Alan, who ran it with him, because it was Blind Dave. So it, we need each other, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And uh, I bet, Kerry, I mean, it's wonderful having someone in your corner. Parents, they love us. Your sister, like my big brother, loves us. But it's nice having someone in your corner, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Vicky's always in my corner and... You know, she she's come to work with me because she's made the decision to look after her children first when she doesn't work with me, and I think that's that's the proper way to bring up children. Yeah. Well, Lee said something earlier about um, how he often feels sorry for his other two, and no doubt my parents felt sorry for Richard when I was having all the care. So it is wonderful when we're looking after the whole family because my brother... I said to him, were you upset when I was having all the attention? He went, Kev, you needed it more than I did. He's 10 years older than me. And he went, I never begrudged you. I never felt spiteful towards you. You're my little brother and I loved you and you needed it more than I did then. So don't ever feel bad about having more attention because that's what family does. Yeah, that's what my sister Rihanna's like. She's had to make a lot of sacrifices for me. Is she older or younger, Rihanna? She's younger. Uh, she's... um. A primary school teacher she's uh, a senior leader she's just done her qualification and if she wanted to um she could be a, a deputy head i think she'll be a head teacher in the end but uh, I i'd like her to have some children first but me and leah often say well, because of the experience that rihanna had and what alfie and lily have had because they've seen it firsthand, they will be the most kind and wonderful, less judgmental people. And even though it's been a tough lesson, it'll be a lesson they will pass on. And if they see someone in a wheelchair with a blind cane or with a stammer, or they will be the most understanding, kind souls that God could ever create. Absolutely, yeah. 
I couldn't think of a better role model than my sister. And if they end up anything like my sister, your children, then they'll be great kids. But I think it's 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 very important for that as well for going on as as Vicky mentioned earlier about um, getting dis- disabled people jobs, and it's not because they can't do it; it's because of prejudice, basically. But the more the more my like my two eldest they're going to work they understand it more they're more likely to employ um, um, and my actual day job is uh, disability equipment and I was doing this previous to to my youngest daughter Calla being born and actually my whole outlook on what I did for work at that point changed because it made me more aware because I was actually in that situation of, of what's needed and the kind of compassion that's needed uh, so really it really flipped the way I worked um, and even now even now I, I use a lot of um, subcontracting work for the for certain things that I do and I actually look out on these sites now for people with disabilities to employ them to do it because they will have an understanding with the people I'm, I'm dealing with as well so I think it's very important to, to to carry that on you know you're more than capable I mean look what you look what you've done on with with your own CIC, so you're more than capable of doing a doing a job. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, getting the right mentors though that believe in you. And I, I think that is the key. And like what you said about disability, we had Alex Brooker on from the last leg, and he was saying because he'd got prosthetic limbs, he could talk to the Paralympians better because he was saying, "Well, do you get sores when you're running?" They're going, "Blubber neck." An able-bodied person would never have asked me that. Yeah. So when you've got someone who's been in the same trenches and who's had the same foot race, you can ask questions or you can go, in all honesty, when you've been in the chair for that long, does it? Because you're giving lived experience. Oh, yeah, lived experience is so important. But to get to get uh, further in the mainstream world, disabled people have to be activists and they have to qualify it's not right or equal but they have to qualify higher and above than anybody else yeah that door's just a lot harder to knock down isn't it to get to even get through it let alone let alone actually get the position at the end of it and it's it's very important that that changes well we've said many a time um disabled people have have got to fight twice as hard as um people who are uh, black or asian or gay or lesbian or or whatever, they, they have to fight some rights to having somewhere to go to the toilet or education or being able to get in or everything's now uh, on card or internet but if you're visually impaired or dyslexic or if you can't press the buttons and it's everyone expects everyone to have this wonderful physical outgoing <laughs> lovely and unfortunately a lot of times it's the disabled people who are left behind and that's so sad in 2021. Without being negative, because in all honesty, I want to blub and say how brilliant you've done, but you feel it as well, don't you? Sometimes, with everything that's changing, sometimes it's people with a disability who are often left behind. That Yeah, that's um, why you have to be a fighter and you have to associate with other disabled people that can... Um, empathise with your situation and arm you further uh, that's why I said you need even more than lived experience you need to get both things 
It's also important just being on the show talking about it. I mean, we had um, Councillor Adam Davis, who's Councillor for Briley Hill, on a few weeks ago. But previous to that, we was doing another radio show um, on, on the, the main station with Black Country Radio with Ian Murray. And, I, and I, I mentioned after the show that there wasn't any change in places around around this borough. There were the, there's not many. The only one I can actually think of was the one being built at Russell's Hall. But just from that conversation, he's in the planning stages now with the redevelopment of Briley Hill's High Street and he's made sure that there is a change in places within within the toilet block um, that's going to be built. So we need to talk about it to make the to make these people aware to to then help. Oh yeah, Ian Murray's a lovely man. Um and changing places really need to listen to disability groups on what um what needs to be advised. Um I th- like I'm a member of Access in Dudley and we're doing a lot about it at the moment. Um and they've been pioneering in that so uh, they're a great group. Um and the needs it can't just be an a a top down initiative from from Tesco's. It needs to be a lot larger than that. Uh, it really annoys me generally when I um walk into a toilet and there's no there's nothing for um no hoist for a start the toilet isn't big enough for a large chair there's no um equipment or facilities for pegs um catheters stomas um colostomy bags um and it's something that people with complex needs like myself have to live in with the community um and just because you've got a catheter or a peg, why shouldn't you be able to go anywhere? And I personally, as an individual, believe that we should have a hoist and a changing table in every single toilet. And I'm really fed up of the of the Equality Act being broken by these toilets not being big enough for like this specialist chair that I'm sitting in which is a moulded chair which enables me to sit up um, and I go into far too many toilets it would it just just so small and myself and whoever's cared of me have just got no chance of getting in there to empty like my leg bag and bringing all my stomach supplies because I have to carry like two bags around with me with all my specialist equipment and for people that I've got stomas but there's people who've got pegs as well and they have to carry it like probably four bags and none of this is is thought of in the planning and it needs to change. You know what, for me though, Kerry, it goes further than that. The amount of disabled toilet doors I've opened up to, to, to send my daughter through, they, they don't have changing tables, we have to change her on the floor, all that, that is all horrible. I've opened doors and and the the disabled toilet's been cluttered with stuff. You can't you can't physically get in there because there's chairs. There's the, you know it's it's like a dumping ground basically for everything that goes in there, and it just, it's just absolutely crazy that we're we're at this time now and it's being used as that. You know people need to use these facilities. They need things like the changing table, the hoist, all that stuff needs to be done. And uh, you're right, it needs to be needs to be done at a lot faster pace than it is being done at the. moment. Yeah, and people don't respect the um, original radar key scheme, but 
I think we need to move on, like you said, much further beyond that now. And, you know, hoists, if it was up to me, hoists and what I've already mentioned would would be mandatory within the Equality Act. And that's not a big ask, is it really? Especially when, merely have thought, when it's an old listed building, you can kind of understand it, but especially on not hospitals and new builds and uh, shopping centres and merry hills of the world and that as and all these that should be mandatory shouldn't it where if you're going to spend money and shop and people should be looked after and the simple thing of going to the toilet shouldn't be a nightmare no it shouldn't disabled toilets are just too small they need to be a lot bigger and a lot more accessible and what did you say about the radar key? What does it mean? Yeah, radar is uh, one of the founding disability organisations that's now known as Disability Rights UK, who are amazing. But the, it's, the, um, it's the scheme. Um, most disabled parents will probably get a key when the child's about five. So when I was five, because of my needs... Um, we could apply for a mobility car, we could apply for a key, um, and that co that comes from all the campaigning that was done by, before it was the Equality Act, by the Disability Rights Commission. You know your stuff as well, don't you, girl? Well, that's it, Kev. I don't know whether you come across... So, basically, it's a key that lets you into any disabled toilet. Yeah. So, but technically, anyone who doesn't have a key shouldn't use it, but you can also buy these keys from just about everywhere. So, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't truly work. I didn't know that. It's a silver key with a big head. Mm, that's it. That's it. Because I remember, like, uh, I lost my eyesight back in 1987, and I think it wasn't until the very early 90s where being blind wasn't a dis uh, disability. Uh, so I think it was 91 or 92, maybe a bit later, that uh, being blind was not recognised as being a disability. Mm, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of reform. Um, probably the most influential act na now that's... There has been acts since, but it's probably the CARE Act 2014 is probably the most influential. But there has been that many campaigns that have gone on. But activists all need to stick together, otherwise there's not going to be any any movement forward. And, you know, how logic... How, it's just illogical for somebody who's blind for it not to be classed as a disability. And I think a lot of the time, it's not about trumping anyone, saying, my disability is worse than your disability. Just realise, life's blooming hard for all of us, unless... Aim for equality, about making life bearable, easy and fair. Yeah, it needs to be beyond bearable, though. Yes. Life's for living. Yeah, just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're living. No, it doesn't. And I think for the elderly as well, when they go into care homes, mm. the way the elderly get treated in care homes is truly terrible. Yeah. Was they've worked so hard and lost that bit of dignity and they're just treated like, yeah. like well, less than animals, aren't they? Yeah. But there they, needs to be a lot of reform on that. And over to the news channel. We, we've got a, just over a minute. Just over a minute. So one more time, could you tell us where to find your your charity in the name of it, please? So it's More Mascots, Please, and it's www.moremascotsplease.co.uk 
and it's more mascots please cic on facebook it's at more mascots please pls on twitter more mascots please on instagram and i'm kerry davis um the passionate and forever going founder helping the most valued but vulnerable families but the value is always more important than the vulnerable bit and that's brilliant isn't and it? you're looking for people to buy tickets for your your not what night was that on in deluxe sorry it's on the 19th of october and it would be great if we could sell enough tickets and people could take part in our auction and raffle to cover our Christmas fundraising bill, which would be around £2,000. That's fantastic. I'm sorry, I do have to cut you off there. We do have to go to the news now, but thank you very much. Thank you. Now with your local news, I'm Mike Kelly. Six men have been charged in connection with a crash that killed two young Dudley brothers more than two years ago. Parwanvir Singh, aged 23 months, and 10-year-old Sanjay were travelling with their mother in a BMW when it was struck by an Audi S3 in Wolverhampton on the 14th of March 2019. The two boys were pronounced dead at the scene on Birmingham New Road. Mohammed Suleiman Khan of Pershall Road, Edgebaston, is charged with two counts of death by dangerous driving. Hamza Shahid of Newbridge Road, Birmingham, is charged with dangerous driving. Two other men, Mohammed Adil Khan and Mohammed Asim Khan, are charged with perverting the course of justice, and a further two men, Rashain Henry and Tajinder Singh, are charged with assisting an offender. All six are due to appear before Dudley Magistrates Court on the 30th of September. A pregnant teenager has been taken to hospital in a serious condition after a car crashed with a tram in a busy Wolverhampton street. The girl, a passenger in the car, suffered serious head injuries following the incident in Bilston Street around 6.30 yesterday morning. The driver of the car was arrested on suspicion of drink driving and was also taken to hospital with minor injuries. And a father and son have been ordered to pay nearly £2,000 after they allowed a mountain of waste to build up outside their home in Lye. Mattresses, building material and a disused caravan were piled on the driveway of Paul Shillingford's rented bungalow in Star Street, leading to a prosecution by Dudley Council. 49-year-old Shillingford and son Aaron, aged 30, appeared at Dudley Magistrates Court last week after they failed to clean up the mess within an agreed timescale. The site has now been cleared and the men were given 28 days to pay a total of £1,764 or face further action, including imprisonment. That's the latest. There's more on our website, blackcountryradio.co.uk. Sing, but I'm not 
Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. It all keeps adding up. I think I'm cracking up. And am I just paranoid? Am I just stuck? I went to a drink to analyze my dreams. She says it's like a sex that's bringing me down. I went to a
Yeah, this is Error 2 with the Black Country Blokes on our new home on Black Country Extra. And we're still joined by Vicky and Kerry. And we were talking what the news and our music was on. Talking about when people come up to you, and I always have it in life, and they go, Oh, but Kerry, it's easy for you. Oh, well, uh, you, you know, you're positive, and it's it. They go, No, the hardest, the hardest thing about it is making it look easy. Because when you've got a disability or a mental health problem, and the amount of courage it takes to do a day-to-day -day job anyway, but then with the added pressure of making it look easy, it's extremely hard. And by having Kerry on here today and the remarkable work that she's doing, and, oh, Kerry, it's so easy for you at um, 13 starting being a youth worker, and it's so easy for you going and getting a degree, and it's so easy for you getting this. And you're thinking, blooming easy. Not one part of it has been easy, but what it has been is hard work, and what I am is hard working, and that becomes success. Because how many people have had a great idea, a great initiative, but haven't had the courage to back it? And that's what you've got buckets of, isn't it? Courage and determination. It is, yeah. I think the hardest thing for a disabled person is to keep a smile on your face when really, through social injustice, You'd like to stamp your feet and scream through sometimes people's uh, misconceptions. You know, they um, 
they see me in a wheelchair and presume that I can't eat, I can't speak, I can't talk for, talk for myself and speak to the person that's with me instead of actually me. And that is the frustrating thing, isn't it? Because you're in a wheelchair. I'm not deaf, dumb. I haven't got a learning difficulty. One of our very good friends who's been on the show many times, Pat Lewis, and his son has got severe autism. And we say because Lee's daughter has got Tourette's syndrome and is in a wheelchair. And if she squeals with delight in a restaurant or in a public area, people look and go, she's disabled. Some people are more understanding because they can see it. But with someone like Josh, who's severely autistic, if he's effing and jeffing or if he's screaming, or it is such a blooming kid. Eh? What a naughty kid. And what people have got to realise is not all disabilities... Are visual. You can't you, you you can't spot someone with a disability. Like I'm a very high functioning uh, posture sighted man, and you'd never know. I haven't got a, a dog or a cane. Uh, I don't wear Stevie Wonder glasses. But some some disabilities you don't see. And like what we were on about disabled toilets, you could walk in there but have a colostomy bag, or but you could go. Oh, why are you using it? Don't be so judgmental because you just because you can't see that person's got a disability doesn't mean they haven't got one. Yes, I think pain is the biggest hidden disability, the pain that people suffer, but still um, try and put on a smiley face. But sometimes you just feel so tired that you feel like you want to sleep and when the, when the painkillers aren't working. But I think pain's the biggest hidden disability. Um, and then I'd say after that it would be mental health. Well, one can lead into the other. I mean, last Christmas I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And uh, the last two weeks, as Leo will tell you, I've put on a brave face, but I could have had a belly full every day because my hands feel like I've been fighting. My legs feel like I've been doing heavy weights and I get, like, uh, mind fog where I, I can't... I feel like I've had ten points, but we've had the fun. Where I'm slurring, I can't think in it. But once again, you can't see it. But as you say, the pain can easily turn into depression. And when you're so down and you're trying to be so brave for everyone, because I don't want my wife to worry and I don't want my daughter to worry and I don't want mum and dad and I've still got to be at the club inspiring it. And it's exhausting being brave all the time, especially when you put the, ba uh, the, the pain on top of it. And as you say, some days it is just so hard to go and have a wash. It's so hard to get dressed because the pain turns into a very dark and lonely place, doesn't it? It certainly is. My mum's had fibromyalgia for over 20 years, but I've rarely, rarely seen her break down, even though having me bring so many pressures into the house, having to have like a member of staff taking care of me all the time, um, having to have rotating carers and private agency none of this is easy but my mum's such a, a tower of strength and my you know my dad works full time he you know he's um had problems too and I'm just really so proud of them for that they're just too I'm lucky that I was born to two fighters and it is remarkable, like um, my mum, and I know she listens, mum and dad and my big brother, she listen to this, everyone ever do. 
But we, you are so lucky to have parents like we've had, like the parents of Keller Rose and Lily and Alfie have got with Lee and Nikki. And it's remarkable because I honestly think if before they, the fight of having a disabled child and having to go to hospital all the time with the puppies, I guarantee they wouldn't have believed they're strong enough to have done it. But when you're in it, it's amazing how strong and how brave you can actually be, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you've always got to stand tall and fight the good fight. I mean, when uh, when Lee and Nikki, God bless them, are telling us about it, and you've said it yourself, Lee, Lee was suffering terrible with depression and everything, and then, funny enough, when Carla started becoming very poorly, it kind of pulled him out of his own depression because he had to fight for something that was greater than himself. And that, Lee, if you want to talk about that a bit. Well, that's what happened, Kev, really. I had something else to concentrate on and something else um, going on in my life that was more important than being in my my own head. But um, I don't think you realise the fight you have to put up until you're in it either. You know, if you're already in the middle of the fight when you realise you're fighting, if that makes sense. You don't, you know, there's no preparation for, for it. And there's and it's not just the fight of being in and out of hospital. It's the, the fight of getting into schools. It's the, the fight of getting the right equipment. It's it's everything. Everything can turn into a fight when you're dealing with, with anything to do with disability. The fight to get into a shop because the doorway is not wide enough, you know, or onto a bus or onto a train. Um, it could definitely be made easier. Well, I, I love that advert for the Paralympics. It's just been on the superhumans and they're all doing this amazing stuff. So you want to be a boxer and it's everything happened. And then the poor woman in the wheelchair couldn't get in the shop. And I thought that, that it was such a, a perfect, ironic advert the Paralympics, there's got to be something wrong with you. You have to be a maniac to do all the exercise, but there's got to be something wrong with you having a disability. And I thought how they played it was brilliantly. And I thought that advert was so powerful. These people with no arms, blowing, no legs, things, and that superhuman can't get into a blooming shop to get a newspaper. And I thought that was a perfect advert, a perfect summary of this country. Yeah, it really really needs to change but it'll only change if disability activists stick together and i think you've got a great platform for that here actually um pat lewis when he was on he, um kev asked us at the time what was what what one thing would you tell someone who who has just had a child or are about to have a child with a disability and, he, and the first thing he said is read the disability act because knowing it is key and I advise anyone to go out there and read it to know your rights because a lot of it is is people don't actually know their rights. So how can you fight for something that you don't know it's your right to have? And what you said, Lee, on that episode is like when you're saying uh, about there's funds out there. So your daughter's incontinent. They you can apply for money to get a new washing machine, and that's something I would never have thought of, but. It's people in your situation that lives with that constant thing of it's not just money, it's not just this, it's what can we actually get to provide her and us with a better life and a better... And that we said off here, it's not about just surviving, it's about living as a person and as a family. Like what? What was that money you were on about? So that's the, the family fund. You can spend that on... on the, the, you have to have certain criteria to be able to apply but you can spend that on a whole range of things and 
Yeah, I think just people who are in the situation need to know that they can go to these kind of places and they will help. New Life Charity in, in Cannock is absolutely fantastic charity for anyone with a disabled child. Um, there's loads out there. Chris Chris Westwood, which is a Staybridge-based uh, charity foundation, and, and they help again with, I don't know, do you need a, a specialist car seat, do you need a specialist bed, things along that line. Well, I'm going to ask you, uh, Vicky and Ken, I'm going to ask you a few questions next. We're coming to the end of our segment because we have to get off. Vicky, if someone's going to get into the care, care um, environment, what would you say have been the highlights of doing what you do? Um, oh, it's quite hard. It's Put you hard. on the spot there, isn't it? It's hard. I mean, you just. On a very basic level, I think just to get um, allowed in to be part of somebody's life um, and their family um, and all their... Because you're involved in such a personal way. Um, I care for Kerry. I, I do lots of what we call PA work, which is lots of admin and all that kind of jazz and phone calls and all that. Um, but there's the personal care element. and. I think it's a privilege that somebody would trust you enough to do that. And I think to to be in a job where you build up a relationship with somebody and you can become friends and allies and you back each other and you support each other and you help each other grow, I think, you know, I'm amazing. Like, so many friends of mine will say, it'll come to Sunday and they'll be like, dreading work, dreading work. And honestly, I never dread work. <laughs> Because I said to you before, I don't see it as a job. Um, I, I get, I do get paid for it, but I don't, I don't see it as a job. And I think, what a, you know, what a highlight to be able to go to work and not feel like it's drudgery, and that you go in and you feel like you're you're doing something with purpose, um, and 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 something that you can learn from and become a more compassionate human being from because obviously working with Kerry has definitely made me into a more grateful and a more compassionate human being and really that's the biggest pay reward anybody can give you from a personal point of view forget about the pay so well, I that, think that kind of reward lasts a lot longer than paying notes doesn't it yeah exactly exactly that's exactly it um, and I would, I would just say, please also really think about before you do go into this job about if you have got compassion, because I do think you you actually need compassion to be a carer. And unfortunately, um, being with Kerry, I think I have seen that many people probably go into the job thinking it is something for them, but maybe it's not quite right. And that is very unhelpful too for people that have already like people that have got disabilities and have got such challenges in their life they don't need people coming along who are not right for the job so to be thinking about this is not working in a supermarket stacking shelves where you're uh, where you can just be mindless you have to be a thoughtful compassionate person if you want to be a carer so it's an amazing job totally underrated in my opinion but an amazing job to be in um, but think about it about whether you've got got the right personal qualities the skills like the practical things you can learn no problem you can get taught them that's fine you need to have some some good personal qualities about you don't you carry i think absolutely to... yeah i think that's very important i mean uh, i'm very lucky that um one of my daughter's care is actually my mom because she, she she's 
been looking after people with disabilities all the working life so there's no better person really as well as being my mom you know you i know her and she knows me she knows Kala. she's around all the time but when Kala started school and she had to start going to that the the trust i had to put in other people for my daughter who's very very complex medically who's very complex physically you it's it's so much trust i have to put into that person to make sure they're doing their job right and make sure they are doing it with compassion and and are speaking to her there's again we've gone back to 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 the bank where me and Kev went into the bank to set our bank account up for the CIC and as soon as we told him that I I would have to read out the contract basically because Kev can't can't see it and, and point where to sign that was it then he was focused on me and that's just no good to anyone it should have still been focused on Kev and that's what we need within carers absolutely fully focused on the job in hand and let's be brutally honest about it it's not a great paid job but you do get a lot of responsibility similar to say a nurse you're looking after medications and you as you say paperwork all things like that so you know fair play for doing it and i can see you've got a great bond as well with kerry which is fantastic I mean, you certainly a, you're have a mommy, yeah. you're a mommy as well aren't you i you, am yeah and the thing is my, my daughter's able-bodied uh, i imagine yours is and i think when when you send your child to after-school activities or school, it is the most important thing mm. in the world, and it takes trust, mm. never mind having someone with complex disability. Mm. And to hand it over to someone takes the, the biggest amount of trust. And, yeah. and I think what you said, you've got to be a special human being to do what you do. And I think some people go into it thinking it's going to be an easy job, and it's anything but, is it? Yeah, that's right. I remember once in my career, because Prior to uh, working with Kerry, I'd had a career in uh, social work and in children's mental health. And I remember somebody saying to me, whatever you do in your career, if you're working with people, whether it be adults, whether it be children, she said, as long as you treat the people that you're working with as you would treat your children or your family, you won't go too far wrong. And I really have always kept that in my mind, like how, how I would behave with my own family, that's... That, and, uh, and I think that's a really good thing for people yeah. to keep in their mind and to remember that uh, you, you are like the parents are putting like Kerry's parents put, you know they leave Kerry with me and it is a, a, just because obviously Kerry is is physically vulnerable she's relying on you to um, you know you, she has been taken advantage of she has had things happen to her where she has not been treated in a safe way or a kind way and that just must be the most heartbreaking uh feeling really as a parent that you've that, that you've gone away feeling that you trusted somebody and they've taken advantage of it really so super like yeah can't stress really how important it, it how important that is really to you know, I, I would just want Kerry to feel safe in my like with me, and, and that she is well cared for, and that I am kind to her. Really, is being always. kind is one of the most important things. And I said it to my daughter. I said, "What's more important, being beautiful or kind?" She always looks at me and goes, "Being kind, Daddy." And I, I think that's the best thing that we could teach our children and our peers, and a bit more kindness in the world to be a much better place. And yeah. Leah rightly said, "You can see there's a genuine bond between them, isn't there, Lee?" Yeah. Yeah. And Kerry, if you had to tell someone, if there was a young Kerry there now, what would you say to her 
about you know what, what bit of advice would you give to your younger self or a child who's been what you're through? Um, I'd say be strong, don't give up, involve yourself with other disabled people where you're going to progress forward and you're going to be accepted for who you really are. And I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone, so don't feel special, because yeah, <laughs> uh, I put everyone on the spot. Have you? I will ask Kerry first, because I can see uh, Kerry's the brains behind the operation. <laughs> have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Uh, yes, it's. Um, it was taught to me by a lady called Parmideza, and it's Margaret um, Mead's quote, and it's the uh, quote of the. Um, it's a small group of people are the only things that make real difference and social action in the group in fact it ever always has been so a small like my team's very small but we've made so many smiles and i think that's what's what's important so i'd encourage everybody to look up that quote by um margaret mead you know it's it, it everybody can make change it doesn't have to be a um multi-global company just to make a difference and i think before i come over to you uh, vicky so you can have a little bit longer to think about your quote or saying <laughs> well i think you're bang on there because everyone expects the big bang change will come in one movement that never happens Change comes by a hundred, not a thousand, or a million little changes that creates the big change. It doesn't just happen overnight. No, um, change is progressive, and uh, a lot of my mentors have been in it for 20 plus years and still are not pleased with the social injustice that they see. But hopefully, if we keep chipping away and if we keep talking and getting like minded souls, and talking to the Adam Davises of the world, then hopefully change will happen. Now, Vicky, have you got any quotes or sayings <laughs> that have helped you get through life? Um, I can't, I can't, I can't think of any any particular quote uh, massively that's helped me through life. But what, one that I have learnt through being with Kerry, which I, has stuck with me because we read a lot. We're both quite geeky and we're both into academia and we like talking about politics and stuff and. Uh, she's recently got into disability rights and Kerry will have to help me out because I don't know who said it. I can't remember the name of the woman who said it but I was like that's an amazing quote and we spent quite a while talking about it it was the um, nothing about us without us yeah who it was it? it was Baroness Jane Campbell so it, it, it was specifically related to disabled people to say stop making decisions Without without involving us, and she did lots of um, protesting, didn't she, in London? Yeah, she um, um, she threw her car into a government building to enable direct payments and supported living. And you know, it's it's remarkable. So, girls, I know you've got to get off. So, once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you ever so much, and we'll get you back on to our podcast, The Black Country Blows, which you can find on, whew, well, just about everywhere, quickly. <laughs> yep, YouTube, Facebook, we go live on LinkedIn as well now. So, yeah, we can. you can find us everywhere. 
and you can find that on any good plot podcast platform any so podcast one you don't have to be good yeah <laughs> anyone who love us story of my life that is but once again thank you guys for coming on and carrie thank you so much uh, so sorry well done on your award you know and keep on doing the great things and once again india plus the 19th of october uh, find them on facebook we'll share it on our facebook uh yeah thank you so we go through a couple of songs lee yeah thank you both thank you Yeah. 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 Really well. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, which is it? I'm sure of it. Leave.
back for the last 10 minutes of our show i mean whew, that was remarkable like and um like we're always going to do we're going to end the show with things we're grateful for and a grateful land for having uh, kerry and vicky on i mean and this is one of the best things i think about doing the podcast now this radio show is meeting some of these wonderful guests and having people, obviously, mental health and now disability. Well, when I say now disability, we've been doing disability from the start, but it's only the last month that we said we're going to be advocates for disability. And it's brilliant having the Kerry's on and the Dave's and all these wonderful people coming on and talking about stuff that how many of us in society are feeling these struggles, these, these problems, these injustices of not being able to go to toilet or school. But now we've actually got people talking about it on a much bigger stage. And hopefully more people talk about it. And once again, having good counsellors and MPs and who are willing to push the paperwork into making it practice that every new building must have 
a toilet with a harness and and I thought what well, Kerry was talking so honestly and openly about pegs and bags and and how many of you out there relate to that but how many times have you ever heard on TV or on radio has it actually been talked about apart from if it's me and Lee doing it well I think we've just been sitting in the room with with two really inspirational people to mm. be honest Kev um obviously Kerry what she does is absolutely amazing and and how she's still trying to bring a bit of light into into people's and children's lives with disability or disadvantage you know it'd be quite easier for her not to do any of that to be quite honest you know she doesn't earn money out of it so it it is purely out the love of doing it but also Vicky who dedicates time patience time away from family all that it's a, a being a carer is a very very hard but rewarding job but it's not well paid you know and no doubt vicky could go and do a million and one other things well, she's got you know, phds she was saying uh, off air what if she didn't want to brag but it's not even yeah. it's not even that at this you can go and work in aldi now and get paid more than the mm. minimum wage you would for the responsibility of looking after a person with a disability and that is absolutely crazy to me and that is another thing we need to kind of change and we need to get people to get behind us to be able to set a rate that is worthy of the skill of caring and i think better to pay better the people apart from the the, the exceptions like vicky and i know there's some wonderful wonderful care so i'm not saying that but if we could make the money better so you kept these wonderful caring brilliant superhuman beings in a job then we would encourage them to stay there than having to, I love my job, I love caring for Kevin, however, I can make more money working at Mackie D's or Aldi. Well, that's it, and that's it exactly. You know, we need to cherish these these people and, and look after them and, and, yeah, provide a better quality for life for those as well. And if that's extra pay, that's extra pay. And positives, because this is how we've started starting our... Started and finishing our support group that we do every Wednesday from the Lions Boxing Club, seven till nine, and it is positives. And as you just said, positive for today, let alone anything else, is meeting those two wonderful positive women. Positive that we're here together. You know, we're both healthy, well, we're on the radio. Positive, I had a bit of a lousy week with my um, fibromyalgia. Positive, I'm feeling back to my old self. Positives for you, bruv? You've, you've just named them all, Kev. <laughs> you're no, you're feeling better because I feel better. That <laughs> yeah, is a lovely it. bloke. <laughs> you, my saint. <laughs> but no, you're, you know, uh, as as you're aware, I've had a, a tough few days with, with um, medical problems with my daughter. But So really, just having having her be fine is a massive positive mm. in, in my life today. You know, um, less worry, less stress. It's a massive positive that she's here with us. It's a massive positive that I have an absolutely fantastic family and friends network who who are always there supporting us and by our side. And they, I mean, and they're quite big positives because, like, sometimes like in our support group, it's like we've had a rough week. Like last week, my father had chicken. What's positive? I've got a warm shower. My toilet flushes when I've put something nasty in it, and we we forget the. We look for these great big things, but sometimes we overlook. And like talking to Kerry, just how many positive, positive things there are, just by you know, just by being there. And 
what some people find as a luxury, we have to just embrace it and think every day is a positive. One of my old pals always used to say, a day above ground is a good day. And I've been laughing to um, the lads at the gym saying, I keep knocking on death's door, but he won't answer. So as long as he don't answer, I must be all right. And it's just, sometimes we look for these big epiphanies where we haven't got to. We've got, we've got food in our bellies. We're dry. We can have a swill when we're dirty. And what else do we really need, Lee? Any more is just showing off. Did, did your feet touch the floor this morning? Yeah. yeah. As simple as that. Is that a short joke? That is a short <laughs> joke. <laughs> you put me on my stride there. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Positives. Yeah. But yeah, it can be as simple as did you get out of bed this morning? You know, for some people, that some days that is really hard to do. So just take take it a day at a time, and if you can get out of bed that morning, then that's one positive of your day. And I think like sometimes what we do as well is like, like we've had like Kerry and Dennis. Oh well, what have I got to mind about that? That poor woman, and and you go, hang on, we've always got the right to feel down. It's like I always laugh and say, like, well, I bet them Africans, they, they, they're starving. And when you're in the funk, you couldn't give a kipper's danglies <laughs> what anyone else is going through because your problems are your problems. But sometimes think, is this a problem that I can change? If not, then why am I worrying about it? We've got to think about things that we can change, things that we can't change. And what's that old saying? Give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, i.e., realise the things you can't change. I can't change my eyesight. All the worrying and fretting and moaning, anger bring my eyesight back. I can change positivity. I can change my outlook. I can change the food I put in my mouth and exercise I do. And the true skill is knowing the difference, worrying about the things that I can change and accepting the things I can't. And my mum always just tell me that, um, that, um, that poem, that saying, and it's helped me get through some dark stuff. And I think sometimes what we do is we fixate on the things that we have no control over, but that only leads to misery. It's like worrying is like riding a rocking horse. I can do it all weekend, but it's not going to get me anywhere. Yeah, that's exactly right, Kev. I mean, we're about to finish now, guys. And as always, thank you ever so much for coming on our journey. It is always a pleasure being here. So, oh, I'm just looking at the time. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And as always, you can find us on all podcast platforms, YouTube. And if you'd like to leave us any messages, please go to either our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> LinkedIn, and all comments feedback are great and if you don't mind leave us a nice review and comment and please just share us with your friends you can also catch up on on the radio every week on the app so every week you can go onto the app go to the black country radio app click in the top right hand corner where the three lines are change it to black country extra and then go up to the back to the three lines and go to the on demand and you will be able to catch up on the last week's podcast uh, radio show well, guys, until we talk to each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. To a bit. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. 
And this'll help things turn out for the best And always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing Always look on the bright side of life It's quite absurd And death's the final word You must always face the curtain with a bow Forget about your scene Give the audience a grin Enjoy it, it's your last chance and out So always look on the bright side of death Just before you draw your terminal breath a piece of spit when you look at it life's a laugh and death's a joke it's true you'll see it's all a show keep them laughing as you go just remember that the last laugh is on you and always look on the bright side of life always look on the right side of life Now with your local news, I'm Mike Kelly. Six men have been charged in connection with a crash that killed two young Dudley brothers more than two years ago. Parwanveer Singh, a 